This is Mostly Honest. I'm Felix Garcia. The billionaire entrepreneur, TV reality star, has defeated the candidate once figured to be undefeatable, besting Secretary of State Hillary Clinton in an electoral college victory that virtually no one saw coming a year ago. They're right. Nobody saw this coming. When I got the assignment to report from the Donald Trump victory party in New York, I thought I was about to cover a defeat, that it was a victory party in name only. Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president. I made the mistake of building that narrative in my head. I believe the polls I read leading up to election day that said she would definitely win. I mean, I knew it was going to be close. We all did. Even though part of me still believed that Hillary would win in an overwhelming landslide. It'd be Lyndon Johnson versus Barry Goldwater all over again. When LBJ, up against an opponent who opposed the Civil Rights Act, painted the country almost completely blue in 64. 86 electoral votes to Goldwater's 52, and his 16 million plurality was the greatest ever. 1964 took its place in... Of course, we don't see election results like that anymore, at least not since the 80s. Even when Barack Obama beat John McCain in 2008, a win that was widely considered a landslide, the continental U.S. stood large swaths of red in the middle, while the coast was securely blue. But something happened on election night this year. I must have walked through a tear in space and time that took me to this alternate dimension beyond the Secret Service checkpoint at the Midtown Hilton. It was a dimension where a reality TV star with no political experience, no fundamental understanding of how the executive branch actually operates, who has actual contempt for women, people of color, Muslims, not to mention the First Amendment, really had a shot at being the next president. The people on this side of the metal detector seemed to fancy a United States before civil rights, before Roe v. Wade, when Mexicans faced indiscriminate deportations under Operation Wetback. It was some bizarro dimension where white supremacists, neo-Nazis, would have the ear of the president. Most of this election felt like a shitty Tom Clancy book-turned-movie, with Russian hackers, Nazis, sex scandals, multiple suggestions of political assassination and imprisonment. Only no self-respecting author or screenwriter would pack all of those things into a single story. The party was pretty empty at the beginning. There were only a few Trump stalwarts in their business suits and red hats patiently awaiting the main event as Fox News blasted from every wall. Dressed in my suit with hopes of blending in, I moseyed around the main floor. There wasn't much to really report as none of the polls had closed yet. Photographers and board reporters surrounded a team of two bakers who fashioned an orange bust of the self-proclaimed billionaire. Okay, so this is a cake made out of modeling chocolate, chocolate cake, and fondant. And it's hand-sculpted and hand-painted of Donald Trump. When I asked, they declined to say who they voted for. Are y'all, are y'all, we like to keep business and politics separate. We made Hillary also a uh, client ordered that for a private party, a Hillary Clinton cake, so we decided to make Donald Trump as well. And the Donald cake could be yours for $7,000. In the VIP section, a lone aide stood over a table of red Trump hats. Tables in the lobby offered stacks of signs that read women for Trump and Hispanics for Trump. I couldn't imagine a reality where those stacks would run out. I mean, this guy slandered Mexicans from day one. He was caught bragging about sexually assaulting women. I was sure his campaign was dead on arrival. But not in this reality. So what they're told is that basically the cause of all that problems is feminism. 
They're told that the schools that they went to were too feminized. They're told that uh, women reject them because of this idea of having rights. You know, they're told that a number of their problems, the society from government, from legal structures, all aim to undermine their masculinity. And so that's the first step that they have to you know, go through in order to swallow the red pill. Sianda Mohitsiwa explored the Red Pill subreddit, a pickup artist forum that evolved in the site of online radicalization of young white men. In order to do this, one must um, reject reality as they know it. And doing so means, you know, rejecting anything to do with feminism, anything to do with the feminized society. And then later on, rejecting globalism, rejecting, you know, everything. So being very, quote unquote, anti-establishment, but... The only difference is the idea of establishment is women, is uh, feminism, is like quote-unquote progressives, anything that seeks to be post-racial, anything that seeks to elevate the rights of minorities, they consider it to be establishment and designed solely to destroy Western manhood. Well, when I first stumbled onto it, it was... um, it was through a link by a Dutch feminist called Flavia Zodia. And she just posted a link to a blog whose name I don't remember, but it was this blog post where this guy, uh, presumably from New York, uh, was talking about how he had gotten a woman and he had uh, slept with her the first night. Beyond that, what was really interesting was that there were hundreds of comments of young men, presumably, who just thought that was amazing. And they wanted to know more than anything how to think of women in that way as a series of traits to do with their bodies, um, how to get a woman that quickly to sleep with you and, you know, all that. And I just thought, okay, this is craziness. But they were using a lot of language that I had never heard before. And because for Africans, a lot of Africans speak a lot of different languages. So language is kind of inbuilt to me um, to be really interested in learning a language. And you know, because it's English that, you know, all these acronyms and term terminologies are just a few clicks away. And so I clicked and clicked and then ended up on, on the red pill. And I thought, wow, this is in- insane, but endlessly fascinating. Definitely something that I kind of saw grow and evolve over time until uh, Trump started to run for president, he kind of fell in line with a lot of the theory behind this group's kind of ideology in almost every way. I mean, he represented what they call an alpha male. And in order to be an alpha male, you have to DGAF, which stands for don't give a fuck. A number of things, you know, to be physically imposing, to be successful, to have numerous women, you know, seeking you, to judge women solely on looks. Basically, a lot of the things that they believed were necessary to being men and the idea of masculinity. Yeah, they believe that uh, feminism is destroying the West. Feminism and feminist policies, they consider, for example, accepting refugees to be a feminist policy. And so they have all these ideas that treating women a certain way is the only way to um, save Western civilization. It kind of started around uh, the refugee crisis. So what happened was when things kind of got really heated up and it was in the news all over the place, they started to say things like, oh, well, um, these refugees are coming and they're trying to impose their laws onto us. They're try- And these are Americans in a country where they have less than, I don't know, less than 2,000 refugees from Syria. Um, but they were taking their cues from the Swedes and the German members of this, of this uh, group who were making up these kind of... Well, not making up, but sharing these stories that did 
I, I could not legitimate, I couldn't tell if they were legitimate or not. But these stories of rape by uh, refugees, these stories of, you know, Western women fearing for their lives. One of their theories was that uh, Western women wanted refugees because refugee men are more masculine than Western men. So that the idea was that they were being outmated. Oh God, I'm sorry. Every time I say it, I just, I can't believe it. But that's, uh, that's what they believe. So these guys were getting this idea that that's kind of what's happening. And so that's when the anti-immigration stuff started. Then they kind of specified that by Western culture, they meant white culture and how, you know, white people have saved the world and, you know, all these things. And uh, then it kind of became obvious that that was the next step. It was like a white supremacist lens was the necessary next step, an organic thing that kind of just happens because then it wasn't just feminism that they hated it was just minority uh, what they called SJW social justice warriors in general and that kind of snowballed from there so then eventually it just was very clear that it had to be uh, white supremacy it's really hard not to want to be angry at them because I mean even I follow this and I've really I think I've developed a very thick skin about the things that they write and say but it's it's still quite difficult to not spot for example just the intellectual inconsistencies in their ideology just like you know the huge gaps in the way that they think it's hard not to spot those and just be like oh you guys are a bunch of idiots because one thing that I've noticed since following them is I've also been very critical of things from all angles because I'm not American I don't have any kind of set political identity. I don't really have anything that's kind of tying me to the system. So I'm really mainly observing. And I've just kind of, you know, believed that I'm supposed to look at the whole thing really with some sort of empathy and, and you know, some sort of basic attempt to understand them at a personal level. Because it is real people. You know, they're hiding behind anonymity and they're saying all these awful and hateful things. But at the core of it, it's really a self-improvement site, believe it or not. And I haven't really actually experienced even nearly as much of these personal attacks as other people do when they write on the subject. And I believe that it's because I'm not sensationalizing it. I'm not posting up stories where I'm like, oh, look what they believe. Isn't it crazy and hateful and racist? I mean, of course it is, but that's not it. That's not the whole story. It's a very complicated, sophisticated, multi-layered system that is a conveyor belt that is taking in young men at the most vulnerable and using their vulnerability to initiate them into hateful um, ways of thinking. For me, right now, the reason why I find this so interesting is because the question does tend to be about violence. A lot of them don't need to end up doing the violent thing, doing the very obvious terroristy thing, like blowing up, you know, a bank or blowing up a subway or something like that, because at least in this election cycle, they had Trump who could represent everything that they wanted. So they don't always need to, you know, do an act of terrorism. So that's what I always think is that um, if the number of people seems small, it's because the structure that they live in does give them a chance to vent that frustration out in another way. And in this case, it's with, you know, voting systems. And as, it's, as like Florida, Ohio, and North Carolina are still, you know, up for grabs and like incredibly close and maybe going to Trump, it's really too tough to tell. Um, Hillary Clinton still doesn't necessarily need those states. The same guy who stood guard over the table of red hats frantically tore open another box full of dozens of other hats, all red, all saying, make America great again, to hand out to every person in the now full, lively party. 
Trump was probably going to win. Nothing about this seemed to correspond with my reality. All the things he said, everything he'd been accused of. It just seemed impossible to me that he could make it this far. But nothing he said or did seemed to really matter to most of the supporters I met. One person said he was just being a showman in order to get attention. He wouldn't actually carry out his dangerous and controversial plans. He's a businessman, and I think he said, he said a lot of controversial stuff to get publicity and to get recognized, and maybe not meaning everything he said. Others agreed with what he said and believed Mexicans were the root of the United States' problems. He said that the illegal aliens coming across the border were, were rapists and drug dealers, which is accurate. And the guys who are sneaking over here illegally and bringing the drugs and trafficking women and doing all that stuff, that needs to be stopped. And another person didn't really seem to understand how the U.S. presidency worked. Nightlife to come back to New York. We don't have any jazz clubs and good nightclubs. That, that something more the city council would, would handle, or something more local government would, would handle that. Or? No, we need an. Economy. They all lived comfortably in Trump's alternate world. I tried to map out every possible scenario that led to the electoral college turning in Trump's favor. I paced around the lobby, sick to my stomach. My dress shoes tore a furious blister into my ankle. Denial quickly turned into bargaining. I hoped for weeks of recounts in every district as the Election Commission investigated reports of voter intimidation in black areas. I even hoped for an extra day where all of the disenfranchised people, left out because of the harsh voter ID laws, had an extra day to make it to the polls. But none of these things seemed possible anymore once Fox News called Pennsylvania for Trump after 2 a.m. Answer the question. And then Hillary Clinton conceded. You just listened to Mostly Honest, produced by me, Felix Garcia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter.com at Mostly Honest. Thank you.